Mosley, Matt Mosley Show Thursday. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Central National Bank, one of the leading commercial banks in the state of Texas. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Shorty's Pizza Shack as well. I also appreciate Sam Kahn Jr., man that I run into on the road sometimes and has been known to show up in Waco from The Athletic and uh, has a nice piece out on uh, – uh, on Sonny Dykes, but I first wanted to ask you, Sam, on the uh, the breaking news that doesn't feel so breaking because it's been out there now for weeks, it seems. But Gary Patterson joining the staff at the University of Texas. Gary's going to be on with us either, it uh, looks like tomorrow afternoon now, to uh, kind of talk through all this. But um, what, do you, uh, what do you make of this, Sam? The uh, uh, Texas, the hire, and do you think uh, – what do you? How do you think this will will go with uh, Gary? He's not used to like working for other people. In fact, it's been eh, about twenty three <laughs> years since he's done that. <laughs> that's the part. That, thanks for having me, Matt. That's the part I think that's fascinating to me is is Gary Patterson uh, taking orders from other people because he hasn't had to for so long. He's been in charge of his pro- own program for twenty two years. Uh, I think the Chris Hummer two four seven, a good friend of mine, uh, I think put it best. What would you? expected to be more likely if we told you a year ago that Texas would be in the SEC or that Gary Patterson would be working for the University of Texas. Which one would you pick? <laughs> uh, it's certainly strange. It was strange to see him in, you know, talking to Chris Del Conte at the basketball game the other night with the, with a Texas Longhorn logo on his chest. It just was odd. But, you know, actually I saw and bumped into Gary a little bit uh, at the AFCA convention in San Antonio and uh, first off, I mean, he's been living life the last few months and enjoying life, uh, which is which I think has been a nice change of pace for him. You know, him and his wife, uh, they have a lot of varied interests and, and have been taking advantage of that. But I, I think Gary still loves the game and he still wants to be involved in the game. And I think that was clear even, you know, after they parted way after him and TCU parted ways in, in early November, he still was showing up in the TCU offices the week uh, after that to help game plan uh, for that team. And I think he still loves ball. And so I think that the question there, I don't think there was ever a question in my mind, whether or not he was still going to be involved in ball in some way. It was just a matter of what capacity was it going to be the coordinator somewhere. Was it going to be an analyst and assist, special assistant to the head coach like he is now? Was he going to be a head coach of his own program somewhere else? Um, so, I mean, I guess this is the answer. And it's certainly going to be interesting to watch because Texas struggled so much defensively. And you wonder what does this mean for defense coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski at Texas? Does this mean that, uh, should he be looking over his shoulder next year or something like that? So it's, it's all very fascinating. And certainly if your Texas is ranking in the, you know, hundredth nationally in total defense, you can use all the help you can get. Well, that coach you just mentioned will have to publicly go, yeah, man, this will be great to, to get to have Gary here. You can't, you can't show any, you know, uh, you can't show any disappointment publicly, but to your point, he has to feel Someone looking. In fact, Gary sort of knows how this looks because wasn't Jerry Kill? I know it was on the offensive side of the ball, but wasn't Jerry Kill basically in this same role for Gary? What Gary's going to be for Sark? Is that would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Gary's basically a special assistant. Yeah, and he was running a lot of stuff on the offensive side, or was very heavily involved in in the offensive side of the football. So yeah, I think. That's totally not dissimilar. And Gary, I think, part, part of this, too, I have to sure it stems from his relationship with Chris Conti, who, who obviously was the athletic director of TCU. You know, they're, they know each other. There's a trust there. And so 
Uh, you know, this is a way for him to stay involved and, and do it in a way where maybe he doesn't have all the headaches as a head coach. Uh, because they're there. And I don't, I think Gary was uh, not shy about being admitting that he wasn't fond of some of the developments and evolution of college football as we've seen it lately and, and how how chaotic it's become with NIL and transfer portal. So this is a way to let him kind of do that. And uh, yeah, it, 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 the optics are interesting to say the least, but again, if you're Sark, uh, whatever can help you uh, improve in the win column, I think is something you got to look 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 into. Yeah, I think um, I think that's that's right. Sam Kahn Jr. joining uh, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Sam Kahn is with the Athletic and uh, covers the state of Texas, all the college teams in the state of Texas. I thought that was interesting. At the end of your, uh, you had a couple of interviews with Sonny Dykes. And you wrote this uh, this piece for the athletic on that. And uh, at the end of it, I think you you asked Sonny basically, you think in a few years TCU could be the best team in a new look league? And Dykes' response was definitely, I think it certainly has that kind of potential, which is not a shocking thing. But it got me to thinking. I mean, like when you think of what the future, Sam, and kind of in the context of that story you just wrote about Sonny Dykes, like. Do you think Baylor just coming off winning the Big 12, there's going to be sort of a grab for uh, there's like a leadership vacuum or a, you know, Texas took up all the all the airspace in a lot of ways just because of who they are and the way they carry themselves to a certain extent. Do, do you think Baylor, like when you kind of put the candidates, the top three or four candidates in this new look conference, is it Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State. How do you see that? Yeah, I think I think th- there's a group of teams that I would put in the top tier of that group of the that will fight for that best team in the new Big Twelve title. And I think it's Baylor is right near the top. Oklahoma State is right near the top. Basically, based on the consistency, Oklahoma State has been tremendously consistent under Mike Gundy and Baylor. What five double digit win seasons since 2010? I think in 2011, and so that they have shown the ability to continue to compete at a high level over the course of multiple changes. TCU, I, I put them in that group as well, even though they've struggled because I see the potential there. You look at what they have from a football infrastructure standpoint, the support they have from, from donors and alumni, the location, the recruiting footprint that they have. I mean, they're, they're in a really ideal setup for TCU so, and in Fort Worth and being able to recruit DFW, recruit East Texas, even Northern Louisiana, if you want to do it. Uh, and then, so I put them in that group. And then I, the ones that intrigue me the most, I think are the incoming ones, Cincinnati, obviously coming off the college football playoff just this year, BYU, who's been a pretty consistent team, a uh, pretty consistently good team over the years. And I, I look at Houston as a team that I think is going to be one that's going to be really fascinating that once you give them, Big 12 membership, some additional revenue. Uh, they've already been a team that has been able to compete uh, every now and then for New Year's Six Bowls and things of that sort. Where do they factor in the equation? So th- those are all teams that I would look at. But, yeah, I think Baylor right now and Oklahoma State are probably top two, but I think TCU has the chance to be there with those teams if you push the right buttons and you recruit at the right level. Why are uh, – Sam, did you see that Oklahoma State, you know, um, you may have seen it on your Twitter. You and Max uh, are all over some of these portal things. Um, th- but why are some of these Oklahoma State players – I mean, I know it happens to every school, but 
seemingly they've got the most stability of anybody other than they just lost their really good defensive coordinator. Is that playing a role in why you're seeing a little bit of leakage there from that uh, the defensive side of the ball there at Oklahoma State? Yeah, absolutely, because change uh, is going to impact these players, and I think we've seen it, whether it's a head coach or, or a coordinator. And especially on defense, if you fit in, in a certain system and, and a new coordinator comes in and is going to run a different system, then what does that mean for you as a player? And, and does that mean that you need to lo- look elsewhere? So, yeah, I think I think that's one thing. And, and we're not used to seeing it because players were not able to move this freely before. Before you had, if you were going to transfer, you had to sit out a year unless you got a waiver. Now that's not the case anymore. And if a coordinator leaves, if you're if you're a QB and your quarterbacks coach leaves, you can follow him. You know, I mean, look at look at Western Kentucky and they imported basically imported an offense from from HBU uh, with Bailey Zappi and Jarrett Stearns and all those guys, and including the offensive coordinator Zach Kittley, who's now at Texas Tech. Uh, so there's a comfort level, and, and as you'll hear coaches say it all the time, and I think you'll hear your parents and, and recruits say it too, is that relationships is the key to this thing. It's really the key to recruiting. And when you build a strong relationship with a coach or a coaching staff, when that changes, it's natural, I think, to, to seek change yourself. So I think it, it, the, the difference is, I think, is, is now players can move freely as opposed to three, four years ago, and they couldn't quite as freely. Yeah, the NCAA meeting uh, as we speak in Indianapolis and having their meetings, I noticed the Baylor president was the one who got to submit the Constitution. I believe it was uh, approved by about an 80% vote from what I was able to see. Talking to Sam Kahn, Jr. from The Athletic, he covers the Big 12 and all teams from uh, Texas. Um, What do you think, Sam, about these two divisions in the Big 12? And what's the most, um, as that story has sort of... uh, gotten out there what is the what's the most likely scenario I kind of like the fact that the Big 12 continues to kind of screw with Texas and OU on the way out (laughs) and uh, doesn't want them on both sides of this thing would rather them knock one or the other out perhaps although I don't know why we worry about Texas uh, winning a division quite honestly but what uh, what what do you how do you think this thing shakes out yeah I think it makes the most sense Uh, I mean once you once you go to 12 teams uh, I mean it's the division set up, I can make sense, and the Big 12's done it before. And I think it, having Texas know you on opposite sides makes sense because that way, if you can sustain that division set up once those two teams leave, whenever that happens. And that's the other fascinating part to me is when when are they actually going to leave? I think if the the more time passes, the more you wonder, you know, how much longer they're going to hang on, and how much does the college football playoff expansion factor into this? Because if you had asked me three months ago, I would have told you that expansion would be done by 2023 and and we'd have uh you know texas and oklahoma would be over there in the sec by then now with as expansion gets delayed i wonder how much that impacts uh you know the speed at which texas and oklahoma leave the conference so it, i i think and for these new schools that are coming in it's a boon if you're houston oh you're you're relishing the fact to be in a in the div- same division with texas that's something they've been wanting to have ever since uh, the Southwest Conference is all supposed to be back in the same league and to have their chance to play Texas. Uh, same thing for these other new schools that are coming in, that, that the pro, the boost that you'll get for whether it's one or two seasons of a 14-team league with Oklahoma and Texas is still in it is, I think, good for those new schools and is good for the, the ones that are still there. And like you said, Oklahoma has been the king, not Texas not so much. So I don't know that you have to worry about 
you know, where they are in terms of contending for Big 12 titles, but it's a chance for some of these new schools and, and the new look league to make its name against these, uh, these traditional powers, so to speak. And heck, I mean, give, give them credit this year. Look, I mean, the Big 12 championship had neither of those teams in it. Baylor and Oklahoma State were, uh, were the teams to make it. And I think that says a lot about the conference, where it is, how deep it is. And I think it, it signals some promise for the future that you had Baylor and Oklahoma State uh, in in the Big 12 championship. You had Cincinnati in the college football playoff. You had BYU who had a really good season. You had Houston who had a really good season. I think when you look at it, at least right now as we sit right here in January 2022, the outlook for this league is pretty positive from a football standpoint. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I have to say um... – that that part of the story where you're talking to Sonny Dykes, talking to Sam Kahn Jr. of the Athletic, and I I thought it was, I thought it was funny, and it speaks to how siloed some of these guys are, that that he he got caught by surprise on like the personal type backlash that he got from going over to that that school's like biggest rival. Like I, to me, as reading that, Sam, and I'm thinking. How can Sonny, and I know that it just, it's never, it's always awkward and, and these things happen and so much sooner now and things get leaked out. But the fact that he seemingly was surprised by how much blowback he got, what is that? Is that just kind of like being a little naive? Uh, it's just, I, I was kind of shocked because if anybody should, Sonny was raised around here. I mean, he should. He should kind of know what was coming on this thing. Yeah, I, I think the way you put it, siloed, is kind of a good way to put it. Uh, remember, the, these guys, they're kind of in their own world, uh, you know, 24-7. It's managing a roster, it's recruiting, it's running the team, and it's, you know, college football, you put in, I mean, heck, you put in more hours in college as a college football coach than you do as an NFL coach, uh, because in, in large part because of the recruiting that comes with it. And I think in many ways, I mean, heck, Nick Saban likes to fondly say that he doesn't know what's going on in the world because of how much in time he invests in his team. So I think that's part of it. And But, I, yeah, I, you're right. I think Sonny being from here, and, and from this state, and being born and raised and, and following this conference, and or I should say this conference, this region of college football, and obviously following the Southwest Conference, I, yeah, I can't imagine that that it was a complete surprise maybe i think maybe maybe it's just his his gauge of how what his intentions were versus how those intentions were perceived so to speak okay i think it's in sunny's mind he tried to do it the right way he tried to part ways in a you know in a good manner uh whether that was going to be received that way i don't think i don't know how any way that you do it and he's right. There's no good way to break up. And I've covered this from plenty of programs in the state. And the funny thing is to me is that I, I read, you know, some of the SMU fans comments and they seem very similar to what I've read of Houston fans comments when Tom Herman left for Texas, when Kevin Sumlin left for Texas A&M, when Art Braz left for Baylor. It, it, it seems very similar because there is no good way to do this. And it does not feel good if you are a group of five program and you get left by your head coach who led you to success for another program and for a power five program and particularly an in-state program. That's the thing. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think Sonny probably thinks of it logically as like, well, TCU is in the big 12, they're a step up and there's a ceiling at SMU that we can't quite crack. So yes, of course it makes sense. But to an SMU fan who envisioned Sonny taking them to that level at some point and hoping for maybe a big 12 in fire, hoping for new year six bowls, 
it's it's a big disappointment and obviously a big frustration. So, yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of a disconnect there uh, without a doubt, and I think that's not unique to Sonny as a college football coach. Yeah, it may be sometimes, though, the anger it makes you, like, even more passionate about the new coach. And um, I, SMU's got some big announcement coming maybe tomorrow about a new facility and all. So it, it's funny how anger and emotion may stir up some fundraising sometimes, Sam. So we'll see. We'll see what SMU comes up with. Are you on that mic that you use during Zooms during this doing this interview with me? <laughs> I guess we called no, you on the I, phone. No, I, I use yeah. that only for our podcast or for Zooms. But, uh, okay. yeah, no, I'm on my phone at the moment. So I like to imagine you on that mic wearing that derby hat that you bring out sometimes. <laughs> you know, that's the way I kind of like to imagine you doing all interviews. All right, Sam. Well, good catching up with you. Are you going to do some? Uh, what do y'all do now? Remind me. Do you have to? Do you do some hoops, or do you just kind of stick with? I mean, football is a year-round sport, basically. Yeah, uh, you know, believe it or not, football is year-round now. I mean, we've got a uh, this transfer portal is cracking. Is like it's kind of like NBA for agency. So, <laughs> no, I've got plenty of football to, to keep me busy. I've okay. got some recruiting stories I'll work on in the coming weeks, and uh, you know, yeah. before I, before we know it, spring football will be here. Uh, you know, I'll go to some coaching clinics and some recruiting events, things like that. So uh, plenty to keep me busy this offseason. So I will I will definitely be out and about uh, covering yeah. football for the next uh, several months. Yeah, I just didn't want you to get rusty or anything, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Sam. No problem. Thanks for having me, Matt. Sam Kahn, Jr. from The Athletic.